bacteria have been the dominant form of life on Earth. Everything about human life depends on bacteria. They are involved in almost everything our bodies do. But just as we are learning how important they are, our microbes are disappearing. Asthma rates rising dramatically. More than two-thirds of Americans are overweight or obese. Why are so many chronic diseases increasing so fast? I believe the hypothesis is correct, that antibiotics are contributing to the rise of all these diseases. What's happening to our internal ecology is very similar to what's happening to our climate. We're in the middle of an extinction crisis. It's invisible, it's deadly, and it's happening in all of us right now. We seek answers in places where the problem hasn't yet begun. The COVID pandemic has been devastating, but a pandemic of drug-resistant bacteria could be even worse. The infection was spreading about an inch every hour. Remember those Roadrunner cartoons where they're racing along the plateau and you're wondering, when are they going to slow down or are they going to go over the cliff? We believe we're in the early days of a scientific revolution. The idea that giving somebody poop could cure their illness is a pretty amazing thought. If there was ever a moment that the power of microbes became evident to every person on the planet, this is it. Don't touch my hand in public, Mark. Why not? <laughs> we are... Hi. Hello, everybody. Hey, Tzili. Hi, Tzili. Welcome. Uh, we have two wonderful people from the United States today. Tzipi and I in Jaffa now, by the, by, by the way. Uh, we are wondering. Anyway, Jaffa in the have... Holy Land, not Jaffa in Pennsylvania. Oh, Jaffa in the Holy yeah. Land. Tel Aviv, Jaffa. Uh, I have to read it, Gloria. Gloria Dominguez Bayo, professor of biology, and Martin Blazer, professor of medicine. I'm, Martin, I follow you for years uh, on your uh, crusade journey against antibiotics. And now, after the book, uh, we come with a film, which, by the way, it looks like you really enjoyed do, making the films. You had a great time, right? <laughs> we did, although they, they filmed us for more than seven years. So you can oh. kind of see us aging in the yes, course. Yes, but I see, I see it still in the city. I remember the house. So I see that it's Why for seven years? This is how long the research took? No, it's, uh, you know, this was an, in, this is an independent film made by in independent fact. filmmakers. The they, they, big problem is raising enough money to get the film going and, uh, you know, just to, to, to make the film work. So that, you know that TP is a filmmaker. TP is a also, filmmaker. Also, they were following patients. So they were uh -huh. following studies uh, developing and, and it took time for the trials to end and, Right. It's an interesting and, and piece of work. Also, in the movie, we traveled. We were in China, uh, uh, Gloria was in Venezuela. It's uh, more expensive for them. So let, let's start with it. By the way, I am now on antibiotics. But, uh, but hold on. <laughs> what triggered you to go on a crusade against antibiotic? How did it all start? You know, for me, um, it, this one, this particular story begins with me. And uh, uh, as as I mentioned, I, I'm a I'm a medical doctor, 
I'm a specialist in infectious diseases. Part of that is, is helping other doctors work with people who have infections, uh, giving antibiotics as needed, et cetera. But like many uh, infectious disease doctors, I knew that we are overusing antibiotics. We're using them for very mild illnesses for which there's no, um, there's no good reason. And people are using it because they think, well, it may not help, but it won't hurt. Yeah. And, and so kind of one of the themes of, of the work that I've been doing over the 20 years is that, it, in fact, it does hurt, that there are costs that come out later, not, not next week, but could come out years later, which, which I can tell you about. But the, for me, the really the, the, the breakthrough was one day I was in my office at Bellevue in New York, uh, and uh, I was uh, advising a young doctor about his career. And uh, I start, he was interested in studies about obesity. And I said to him, I said, well, you know that farmers have been feeding antibiotics to their livestock, to their farm animals, so that they'll increase weight more rapidly. I mean, this has been done for the last 70 years and they do it for chickens and cows across many different uh, animals. And the reason they do it is because it works. And so just as I'm saying this to him, all of a sudden, I think to myself, wow, I wonder if this is what we're doing to our children. Because the farmers found the earlier in life they started the antibiotics, the more the animals gained weight. So I thought, well, maybe this is an analogy to what we're doing for children. And that's that's how the work began almost 20 years ago. Wow. You know, by the way, that um, my grandfather was a doctor. And he said that uh, medicine in, is not enough. You need more than that. And he went to Switzerland and he went to Scotland and he was looking for ways and he had skin cancer and he was looking for ways to help himself. He was brilliant, gutsy and very creative. And he, he diagnosed people perfectly well by looking at them. And what he developed is taking care of people by combinations of food. And I'm talking about 60, 70 years ago. And uh, I remember growing up, he didn't let anybody get into any hospital, doctor's office, nothing. And he said, eat this, take this, drink this, be patient, it will go away. So I used to call him, I feel this, I feel that. He didn't let, let anybody stay home for sure. And he wanted us just to use natural things. Only when he got old, like in his 80s and I used to call him grandpa I feel this just take antibiotic and leave me alone <laughs> but the whole time and he had a sanatorium where he where, where he helped people to get rid of chronic diseases chronic hospitalizations all by combinations of food and if you need a medication for certain things he would be supervised the whole thing so my grandmother used to cook and she, they had a big kitchen and he gave her notes. And, and in the, in the, on the holidays, I used to serve the food to the dining room. Each person got a different tray, different food, different everything. I remember even one patient once got only ice cubes. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I was in shock. So, um, and I know that it has a lot to do with what you're doing now with all your researchers, with the combinations of food against allergies and stuff like that. So tell us about it a little bit. I just want to add that I am among 
three people that are so far away from me because I don't, I'm not proud, but I'm ignorant. It's really ignorant. My kids know more about bacteria and about the infections and about diseases than me. So I'm here, actually, the kid with open eyes, trying mm -hmm. to really get open as much as open ears and open yeah. eyes. Yes, so. Yeah, you know, I think, I think most of us have this view of antibiotics as miraculous drugs, and they are miraculous for people who have really serious life-threatening illnesses. But most people who take antibiotics actually have very mild illnesses. And your grandfather was right, because most of those mild illnesses get better by themselves, and they just need a little push to get better, maybe maybe a little better diet or something like that. And But yes. we've all... We have chicken soup, right? We've all fallen in love with, uh, you know, with well, our the technology. Easy way. You know, we didn't let my mom to get rid of my uh, tonsils. And he said, once you take them out, it will go in. So let them be swollen and painful, but it will block everything. So I really am for it, but I also know the other side of it. Just you know, antibiotic takes away the thing right away, whether it's good or not good. And uh, the question is, how do you deliver it to the system and make the system change? It's so complicated. Well, you know, you know Gloria, uh, I, I focus on antibiotics. Gloria focuses on birth, on uh, delivery. Uh, normal vaginal delivery or cesarean section. Maybe maybe she should tell you about this. Absolutely. She had cesarean? No, I didn't. No, have... I also had the natural. Right. No, I had natural, but um, I did, I remember what you said, Gloria, about your pregnancy with the antibiotic. I did, I had twins and I was, every time I came to the, I was in bed rest and every visit to the hospital, everybody was sick there. So eventually they said, don't come anymore. So they gave me antibiotic once and then they said, go to Florida sit in the sun, stay away from us. We'll tell you when to come back. So I don't take anything. So, yes. I just I just want to start with, uh, so I work with people that have no medicine in that live in the Amazon. Ah. And these, these people, from Venezuela. Yes, these people are survivors. So when you go there or in the jungles of Peru or Bolivia, you realize how important medicine is. When you need it, antibiotics really can save lives and vaccines and you know, surgery and C-sections. But the problem is we have abused them. We, ha we have used them as if there was no collateral cost. And that's the main problem. So I want to reivindicate how you know, important medicine, medical practices are but also how important it is to use them just when it's necessary because there are collateral damages. And, and the damages are most important in early life when any antimicrobial action against the assembling microbiota of a baby will perturb the composition of the microbes and then that are um, teaching the immune system are training the immune system how to react for the rest of life. So C-sections, which happen with antibiotics, antibiotics perinatally, formula feeding 
formula is, is solid food. Babies don't eat a diet. They eat a secretion of the mother, which is not, it's a diet for the baby, but it's a lot more things. Any perturbation of those natural exposures will turn the immune system into a badly educated immune system. And you see the consequences later when you know you see the asthma later, obesity, celiac disease, allergies to foods, et cetera. But Laura, do you find that sometimes it takes place because of fashionable um, idea? Because I remember in the States that it was fashionable to have C-section. Then it was fashionable not to have C-section. Uh, it's like a, a, um, breastfeeding and not to do it. So it how do you interfere Very with similar phenomenon. Remember when Nestlé told the world that we are not animals, we are so clever that we can make our own food much better for your baby than breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is for animals. That message went very deep in the United States and Europe. Um, and the, the phenomenon of the C-section is very similar. We, why to go through labor that is painful? It's a process that nobody controls. And you know nobody knows how many hours, let's have a C-section because we trust technology. It's the same phenomenon. And in Latin America, C-sections are extremely high. In Venezuela, when I had my daughter by C-section, unnecessary, I didn't know then. Um, my hospital had 50% C-sections. Rio de Janeiro in Brazil has over 90% C-section rates. But you know, it's interesting. what is the damage? What's wrong with C-section? So C-section babies are born sterile without crossing the birth canal where they get the good microbes, the pioneer microbes that go into the their gut, their skin, their nose, everywhere, uh, into the air of an operating room where abnormal bacteria are the pioneers and then the succession and the maturation is not normal but let's go back a step because the the human body is a partnership between our body and our cells and the microbes that live in us those microbes that live in us are what is called the microbiome and right. those microbes are not accidental there's a lot of resemblance between your microbes and our microbes and everybody in the world and it, it it essentially begins at birth. It begins the moment that the water breaks and the baby descends through the birth canal and is covered by mom's microbes and baby swallows mom's microbes. And then baby has skin to skin contact with microbes and moms are kissing babies. Lots of ways that there's a transfer of microbes from moms to babies. That's the normal way. That's the way it's been happening in humans for millions of years. And in fact, in all mammals, we go back a hundred million years. So C-section is quite abnormal. It, it has changed. Those kids are missing that initial uh, uh, bolus. And plus they are having antibiotics. Plus they're having, and Gloria's work has shown that their microbiome as they're developing is quite abnormal. And it takes quite a while for them to catch up, for them to normalize, to get back to what kids who are born naturally have. And, and they, catch up, they catch up. But what happens is that during a period of time of crucial development of right. the brain, of the immune system, they were abnormal. 
So Martin's work has shown that even when microbes normalize later, the phenotype, the damage on the phenotype is done. Yeah. The mice, in the case of uh, experimental uh, mouse uh, studies, the mouse are already obese or already asthmatic or you, you can't fix that because it, it yeah. was bad development. Even before our work, there was there's a lot of work on development that show that if bad things happen early in life, then there are lifelong consequences. This is trauma and stress and many different kinds of things. Well, we find that this kind of trauma to the microbiome has long-term consequences as well. That and theory they, is called the uh, developmental origins of health and disease. It's right. development. Right. And, but you know, I find that it's not that it's deceiving, but there's a lot of um, not misinformation. I find that many women in the United States, they just don't know. They don't know many facts. They don't know that if they'll wait too long, they'll have problems to get pregnant. They don't, they, and the doctors don't say anything. And there are all kinds of articles and books <clears throat> that everybody is basing their information on. And it's not always correct. And, and then you and they listen too much to other people and to shows on TV and to girlfriends, you know, and they don't well, really- That's why Marty wrote the book and right. we did the documentary. I remember, but-, yeah, but so I, I, wrote, uh, I wrote the book, Missing Microbes. It was published eight years ago. This idea is that we're missing microbes that our, our ancestors used to have. And these microbes are good for us. And, and the point is that if we're missing them, it's not just- so who cares? It has consequence. Right. Uh, our, our theory is that this is where the epidemics are coming from. This is where obesity is coming from and asthma and food allergy and celiac disease and uh, IBD. All these diseases have been going up dramatically at the time that, we're, that we've lost our ancestral microbes. So Marty, do you know the system well? How do you fight the drug companies? How do you fight the hospitals? What do you do with the doctors? How do you change? Because we know money and power always win. Yeah, but you know, they all, and, a lot of people go to the internet. Yes, you know, to, to learn right. what's, what's wrong yeah, with Yeah, I mean, and, and that, as you know, the internet is a two-edged sword. There's good right. information and there's bad information. Bad information. But the, the answer is that we're, we're now like 80 years into antibiotics. And uh, uh, in essence, we've become addicted to antibiotics. We think of antibiotics as the cure-all for, for anything. If you don't feel well, you take antibiotics. In, in a, a colleague of mine who grew up in China said that every time she had a headache, her mother said, take an antibiotic because people, women who have menstrual cramps take antibiotics. I mean, we, we say, well, this is crazy, but this is, this is really what's happening. We, we've attributed all these powers to antibiotics. And in fact, antibiotics are powerful drugs. And that's, that's the problem is because they, they have, as Gloria said, collateral damage. So they, we'll they, they, the bad they kill the bad bug, they kill the good bugs too. So we need so to that, say that antibiotics is needed sometimes and it's a good yeah, thing. We have to be very careful by using it. Yeah, and so the question is how, how much the, the Center for Disease Control in the US says about a third of all antibiotic courses are unnecessary. I, I think it's more than half. More than half. And, and in Sweden, they're only using 40% of the antibiotics we use in the United States. And as far as I can tell, the people in Sweden are pretty healthy. So they, it, 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 it only implies, 
Yeah, well, it, it implies. Yeah. So that, tell me, so if you take antibiotics, actually, you don't let the body fight. Well, there are two things. One is that your immune system, your immune response, isn't as strong. But the other is that the antibiotics are killing the good bugs. Remember, our body is full of bugs that are beneficial to us. And every time we take an antibiotic, probably a couple of these good bugs disappear. And Gloria's work has shown that people in the Amazon have much more diversity than we do. We have lost maybe 50% of all of our diversity already. So we, we are in a big dilemma because you have in the Amazon survivors, the people who reach adulthood are survivors because they have no medicine. In the Amazon, they die of infections like our ancestors did. Right. And on the other side, urban societies, we got very good control on infections, but we are paying the price of chronic diseases of early origin. So how do we got a, a solution to that dilemma? As they will urbanize in the Amazon, the same thing will happen to them. They will change infectious diseases for chronic diseases. Right. So the solution should be number one, really control and use the, the practices of medicine when necessary. But the other one, because we will always need medicine, we will need antibiotics, even you know if it's 15% of the times uh, we use them now. What do we do when we use antibiotics? The answer has to be restore. Re how do we restore the system that has been impacted by necessary antibiotics? And that's a challenge. How do we restore the good microbes? My daughter told me to take something when I took, and I don't take much antibiotics, but now I do. She told me to take something. A probiotic, yeah. I, yeah. Right. So this is, this is, doctors are searching for, for solutions to this uh, in general. In fact, the very nice work done at Weizmann showed that if you take a probiotic, it doesn't make things better. And oh, they suggest that it actually makes things worse because right. it's like a second hit. The antibiotic is the first hit. The probiotic is the second hit. So doctors are searching for this. Again, they're thinking this may not help, but it won't harm. But it, it, it's, yeah. Yeah. Listen, it's, it's all you're talking about industry. It's industry replacing. Yeah, people, industry people, replacing people, industry. people are selling things. Doctors want patients to come to them. They think if I don't give them the antibiotic, they're going to go to somebody that's else. That's right. But, so that's why I wrote the book, Missing Microbes. That's why we worked with the filmmakers for seven years to make a film for the general public. So the public understands these issues because as you say, the public doesn't understand them. And we've all, we've kind I'm of- a good, I'm a good example. You know, it's not only they don't understand, it's a huge way of education to help people not to rely on medications only because they're afraid, so they take medications. If they don't take medication, they think something is wrong. If they don't do some other alternative things, they, they're not open to this, they don't know what to do. There are many ways, and it's also when we get to talk about food. But they do so, not like to suffer. But there's a spectrum. People are not all the same. There are some people like your grandfather who who would only rarely take antibiotics, and there are other people. He who, was rare. He was right. And there are other I don't take much. I took very very rarely. There are people who run to get antibiotics, and then there's a whole spectrum in between. And we want to just move the spectrum. We want to move the dial closer to your grandfather. And and the doctors need to be educated 
in right. ecology. I mean, they, when they are treating a patient, they are treating a very complex system that is not consisting only of human homo sapiens cells and, and systems. It's also a microbial ecosystem. So how to you know, return the system to the pre-disease state, it's, it's a challenge. What people should, should do is to tell the doctor who's telling them take antibiotics, doctor, do I really need to take antibiotics? Because what is happening now is that people are saying, give me an antibiotic. Right. And they, That's the doctor, doctor has trouble went, resisting. You find TV commercials or well, right. medicines. Tell your doctor to give you this, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. So the so doctors and, and, and the doctors feel pressure. They yeah. feel pressure from the patient. So so the, if if the public says, "Doctor, do I need an antibiotic?" Well, the doctor can say, "Okay, no. Why don't Why don't you wait a while? Let's see how this resolves. And if it's still here in two days, let's consider it again. Because m many of the problems go away within two days. Right. And and if you took the antibiotic, you'd say, "Oh, that antibiotic was so good. Right. That's why right. I got it. and and at some level, doctors understand that. So, but so we have to change the dialogue in the clinic. You know, when I was trying to get pregnant and I had a, a in vitro, I asked one of the doctors, let's let's say about all the hormones, whether it's good or not, I'm taking it. Uh, just tell me if even if you tell me that in 15 years my head will fall off, I will get pregnant. I don't care. But I didn't take most hormones, most of the time, and I had few doctors in few hospitals, I didn't take the hormones. I said, I'm not taking hormones. I want everything natural. And only towards the procedure, I took hormones because I had to. And they didn't know. I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. I tricked everybody. But, and I was, I got lucky because it's not always working like this. But I think it's also, you know, it's a combination between, um, the attitude and the medication and the food and the emotional uh, state. So you need really to do a holistic care. And I'm not sure that the hospitals are really- It's built not just the hospital. I'm not sure if doctors today- Yes, many. Uh, many of them doing it. Many, but the hospitals are yeah. not- it's, it's, a, it's the whole profession, the whole industry. It's, um, you know, in a way we're talking about is very analogous to climate change, how our activities have inadvertently changed the climate. This is what's happening inside the human body as well. All these courses, four generations of people taking antibiotics and getting C-sections, all of this is changing our microbiome. And again, as Gloria's work and other people have now shown, our microbiome has, has declined in its diversity. It's going from generation to generation. Yes, it's it's getting worse by generation. Right. Because the mom that is right. already depleted is not going to transfer much of the diversity. Yeah. And then and and farther and farther. Right. You know, the so imagine, yeah. Imagine that the ancient mom transferred a hundred percent of normal bacteria. Now she's lost some. Now her daughter is going to transfer 95%. And then her daughter is going to transfer 90%. And that, that's how it's going. Right. Another beautiful thing that I find is that the primordial microbes that colonize a baby are all the way coming from the matrilineal line because they come from the mother who got them from their mother who got them from the mother and so on. So it's kind of a mito mitochondrial Eve. When you do your genetics and you 
you uh, sequence your ancestry. And when they use the mitochondrial gene, they are searching the matrilineal line. So that's uh, how important moms yeah, are. But, but I, I'm out. I'm outnumbered here, but I agree with Gloria. <laughs> In no, this but, way, moms are really critical. So it seems to me logically that our our mothers and grandmother um, did less damage, right? Yes, yes, but it's cumulative because they were using less antibiotics than right. now. But now, and better food, maybe not. But not. I mean, the food was not processed. The food was processed. The moms were born in the year two thousand. You know, and right. uh, and this is again, this is fifty years or more after antibiotics got on the scene. So that that's really and more the, processed <laughs> food and more. Um, uh, yeah, you know, painkillers and you know Advil and all this. But not only that, I think that in the United States in the fifties, many women took medications that basically really killed a lot of chances for their daughters. Yes. Yes, that's right. Again, we've fallen in love with our technology, and and people just did not understand. Just as nobody understood that if you turn the ignition on your car, the ice cap in Greenland is going to melt. It just wasn't in the consciousness, but it's now clear that every time we, we take an antibiotic or we do, we use food preservatives, uh, it, it impacts our microbiome. So New York ladies are very strong on technology and uh, I'm not sure it's it's helpful. Although so they I, I, I want to comment on processed food. Processed food, what the industry has done is they have understood our craves. But we now understand that our craves have, have our evolutionary wired. They are, we love, we crave for things that were very, very rare during, during human evolution. Sugars, very sweet things were extremely rare. The fruits are not, are not as sweet as sugar is. Honey is extremely rare and is the sweetest thing in nature. Um, we love salt. Salt is, was also relatively rare. You had to go to the ocean side to get salt. And fat was extremely rare because animals were lean. And you know everybody was lean, animals and humans, they had to. So we crave for fat, sugar, and salt. And the industry discovered that. Yeah, and now they flooded. We love fat, sugar, and salt. And what we have and also, to it's not in it, it's, they put it everywhere. It's not that you and, want and to, and we love it, but we don't understand why it. we love it and then control. <laughs> I took it from the plane when I came to Tel Aviv, right? So, you right. know what you do, you know, consciously, but they put sugar everywhere. Gloria, I want to ask you something. We, you, I mean, it's obvious that we're going towards a disaster because between uh, wars and climate change, uh, agriculture is not the same. And the fact that you grow things through the whole year and not uh, seasonal, and they move it from one side to the world to the other, they freeze it for a few months. It kills all the good stuff anyway. And then one war in the Ukraine, you kill another part of the whole thing we'll end up with a lot of processed food. How do uh, and we- we're, and, we're, and we're depleting our soil too. I mean, the same kinds of things that we're talking about in the human body is happening in our environment. Right. But I think 
I'm, I'm optimistic because I think we have already started the process of growing local, organic. That has already started and it has started on the, you know, under the pressure of educated people in urban places. Young people. The young right. people, I mean, I can see my son, uh, the knowledge, they, they're much, much more knowledgeable. Uh, they they right. go for organic food. They know what is a processed food much more than I knew a few years ago, even. So I think the big yeah. market, the market of the people who can pay will demand non-processed, more natural, more organic, local. We're, we're seeing in the, in the, in the markets and supermarkets in New York, that uh, there are big signs, uh, antibiotic free meat. Yes. The, the consumers are saying, we don't want meat uh, from animals that have been fed antibiotics. This, right. this is completely driven by consumers. And then farmers markets every Thursday, every Saturday, right. and people right. flood these markets because yes. they want natural food produced and, and, locally. And the big manufacturers are, 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 are responding to this. Right. Some of the biggest chicken producers in the United States now have right. major facilities that are antibiotic free. You need, you know, that Cecilia and me went to the same primary school. We grew in the same neighborhood, and we had uh, a class for nutrition. Right. You don't have it anymore. One agriculture and one nutrition. Nutrition, and they really taught us. I forgot. I didn't pay attention, you know. But I'm not a good example. I'm like, you know. Wild animal, you know, she came with a grandfather, a doctor, you know. But anyway, they used to teach in school nutrition. You don't have it for now, 40 no, years maybe. Now, but now I think there is an, uh, another wave that they do uh, work on this very hard. And it's very hard to change. It's a humongous system. And you need to go through the educational system, uh, how they feed at schools. It's it's expensive and it's big and it's tough, but it has to take place. It has yeah. to and we we all know that you you train your kids palater. If you feed a kid vegetables from very early, they love vegetables later. I mean, what is hard is to change people's habits. You love Not what always you Gloria. Not always. <laughs> <laughs> not always it doesn't work not yeah always. but sometimes you know you love your your childhood food but you gotta fight with them all the time you know it's uh, it's difficult to fight with them but you yeah. know one of my boys uh, is allergic to so many things and he's so thin and I always had tough time to find the solution and he always came up with a solution. And I remember when he was four and we did so many alternative things and once, and, and once he told me, please, let's stop. I can't take it anymore. And I said, okay, I'll follow you. And once we ran away quietly from one of the hospitals in New York, four doctors fought between themselves about what to do with him, how to feed him. And I said to the nutritionist, you know, first of all, he has to eat something. So before you fight over what, the boy has to grow, you know, he doesn't eat. So, but they couldn't, they couldn't find a solution. They were fighting with each so other. Said, balance said, food? let's get out of the room, let them find their way and you'll tell me what to feed you. Um, but does he know about balanced food? Does he care? It's not that he cares about his stomach and uh, his stomach bothers him. So, so what happened now is much yeah. better. Now it's better, but it, it's five things. But but you know, I know, I mean, so Gloria, you're dealing with microbes 
Yeah. Yes, I study I study how microbes assemble in babies, that process, and also I study the Amazon people and compare. I I study urban gradients from very deep in the jungle to urban cities. What is the effect of urbanization on on the human biology? Oh, okay. So did you find pockets where people could uh, like distinguish themselves and not go after the fashion in the urban parts? Because in the, you know, in the jungle, they eat what they can, right? Well, in the jungle, they eat a very diverse diet full of vegetables. Uh, twice a week, they hunt, they eat- Vegetables uh, with no chemicals. Right. Right. And they fish from the rivers. Every day there is a fish soup without salt and without fat. They don't have oil. But when they discover our oil, they love it. So we actually spoil them. Well, I mean, we are teaching them as we learn also. Right. And so that they know, you know, the cost of, they love medicine, of course. Who wouldn't? You know, yeah. if you don't have it. You, what you makes you optimistic again? Explain what, why you're optimistic. Because the young generation are getting educated and demanding the right things and returning to nature. You, you see educated young families doing the right things and objecting, asking twice, do, re do we really need this mm -hmm. medicine? And taking the kids to the parks and breastfeeding. You know, right. breastfeeding is crucial. It's crucial because it's nature doesn't want babies to eat a diet. They want babies to suck on the secretion of the mother, we call right. milk. And we have perturbed that tremendously, first with, with formula, but even today in urban societies, we express milk and put it in the freezer. Nobody knows at what time was the milk expressed, at what time right. is the milk being given to the babies. The milk in the morning is not the same as the milk at night. Mm -hmm. So if if women don't know that, but, uh, but they have, they're, but they they're messing up the whole circadian information. Somebody but it's not it. only that. It's like you know, nature laid out the process of life perfectly well, and people interfered with everything. And then you have all the jobs, situations, and uh, organizations, and life have you know their own their own rules, and it interferes with with women all the time. We know we need a society that respects nature and respects and and care about women more. Also care about yeah, women exactly. more because we know that in so other that, areas, all a lot of research about heart attacks and other things don't include even women. So there is something about the attitude of women who fit the kids are responsible. Let me just say that I'm optimistic also. Oh, you look because, optimistic, by the way. Both of you look like, <laughs> I have to tell you, I don't understand how you sustain this determination. This yeah, we're, we're driven. We the world. Because, it's unbelievable. Because it's so important. Because it's so, I'm, I'm optimistic because what happened is that we developed these amazing technologies and we fell in love with them and we just continued without asking any questions. And now it's clear that questions have arisen. And now is now we have the opportunity to turn it around, to say, okay, what works and what doesn't work and how are we going to fix it? Now, with knowledge comes the opportunity to change.
So tell us about the film and where can we see it? So let me just tell you the film uh, that is uh, largely about our work is called The Invisible Extinction. It's ah. about the disappearing of all these organisms. That's what? The Invisible Extinction. It turns out that we're the two main characters in it, but there are also two scientists from Weizmann, uh, Iran Elinov and Iran Sigal, uh, who are in it, and some some other doctors and, uh, and other areas, and, and patients right. in certain vignettes. Yep. So it's very it's open it's opening worldwide on January sixth, twenty twenty three. That's well, about a week from now. Now it's about a week from now. It will be showing opening in New York, in Los Angeles, in New York at the IFC Theater. It's a right. kind of famous next door to my house. I'm on oh, yeah. in La Guardia place, the NYU complex. Oh, oh, oh it's oh, like two minutes. Yes, you know that it used to be called the Waverly. That was the Waverly. Right, yes, right. Uh, so that it's that it's going to be there at least for a week from January sixth to twelfth. You can go to their website, uh, and it's going to be in uh, Santa Monica in Los Angeles at the uh, Lemley Monica Theater. Same date, sixth to the twelfth. It's also going to be available on on demand through Apple TV. How well, about they, they, yes, so so the film, if you go to the film's website, The Invisible Extinction, they have an agent who can connect it with educational, with schools. Uh, our university, oh, okay. Rutgers University, bought a copy of the film so that they can show it in classes for students. Right. We, uh, we, it's aimed it's at the general public. It's really highly recommended. I will show it in it's my documentary very, class. It's a very, oh, that's great. Film, we, uh, very informative. We, uh, yeah. Uh -huh. So were you in the film school at NYU? Teach. She is teaching. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm a, an old longtime friend of Richard Schechner. Uh, Richard Schechner was in our program. I'm right. a very good friend of him and Carol. Yes, yes, of course. Tell me, I don't know how much time we have. How all this affect our brain? Yes, it does affect it. You see, as Gloria said, in early life, three things are developing. Immunity, metabolism, and the brain, cognition. And the gut is talking to the brain. We call it the gut-brain axis. And uh, again, it's talking. The gut is talking to the brain all through life. But mm -hmm. the most important part of life is is early in babies. And and in both uh, Marty's and my lab, we are studying what happens to the brain when you perturb. So I'm studying C-section birth, no antibiotics because in mice you could do that. Uh, C-section without antibiotics, what happens to the brain of the newborn? Marty is studying what happens to, um, to babies that receive right. antibiotics, what happens in the brain? We, we, and, and there are differences in the brain. Yeah, we've already published our first paper that shows that when we give mice penicillin, the very common antibiotic, there are changes in the gene expression of genes uh, in critical parts of the brain. The so, same with C-section. So we, we know that, the, that these, that what's happening so the antibiotics are affecting the microbes in the gut it's changing the 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 compounds that the microbes are making and the that's changing the signaling that goes up to the brain wow unbelievable so yeah see well, what guys, can i tell you pleasure you. to have amazing? you you're amazing it's and, nice and, you really opened my view even if you know reflect on myself because as yeah. I told you, I'm like a wild animal. I and please go and, yeah, watch and, and And my advice is stop taking that antibiotic. 
Yeah, I, I don't take it, but never mind. You are right. But you're not supposed to stop. Not take what you're taking now. Right. No, that's what yeah. I tell you. Don't stop it in the middle because it yeah, that, that's a mistake. Away. That's actually that's a, that's an error as well. And oh, you again, can't stop in the middle. Of course, you can. I'm an I'm a specialist in infectious diseases. I I, I edit the main textbook in infectious disease. I'm telling you that this this idea of taking it to the end. People, doctors weren't thinking about the consequences of taking it. Every extra dose you take is is extra collateral damage. The question is when to stop. When to stop. We, right, we I'll take know. one more and that's it. <laughs> you see? Okay. Well, that's something. That's something. Yeah. Okay, that was wonderful to talk to you. Good to see you guys. Great. And thank you. And good, yeah, good, thank you. good Happy New Year. Right. And everybody go and watch the film. Yes. Bye-bye. And I will show it to my son. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.